Are you struggling or feel lost in your thoughts with no way out? Then join us in taking control of your own mind before something or someone else will. I'm Jeremy, and with my wife and co-host Carrie, this is Surviving Your Mind. What is up, guys? We are back, and I'm here with the beautiful Carrie. What's up, guys? Today is a great day, man. We're excited to be back and get this podcast show up and running. We took a long break, but we just wanted to make sure that we got it right and our ducks in a row. We started a new treatment. We found a new life coach, Lisa Romano, mm-hmm. who has helped us out tremendously with our childhood experiences and trauma. Today, though, we're going to focus on on codependency and, and what it is and how it affects us. For me, codependency is something new that I'm actually learning. Other than I knew that codependency was actually originated from AA. Did you know that? Um, Now I do. Yeah. Now I do. (laughs) It came from AA with alcoholics because you're dependent. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you're alcohol dependent. And that's that's what I was. I was dependent on alcohol. That's, That's what I always thought codependency was, was associated with alcohol or substance abuse. But Carrie is actually going to enlighten us <laughs> because it can actually codependency can be involved in your relationships even as an adult with with people right not just substances yes absolutely so codependency in a relationship is when a person each person actually is involved in a mentally emotionally physically or spiritually reliant on the other person so a codependent relationship can actually exist not only romantically, but also with family members and friends. Unfortunately, researchers don't really have a whole lot of concrete definition on why adults who find themselves in therapy don't even get diagnosed properly. Um, a lot of times it's actually written off as anxiety, depression, low self-worth, low self-esteem, but it's actually codependency is a learned way of feeling, being, and it's very fixable. Yes, you heard me. You are not forever freaking broken. Love hearing that. (laughs) Right? It can be fixed. I'm not broken forever? Codependency, actually, I'm learning right now, like you said, in adult relationships. Mm -hmm. I believe I created codependency with myself and you. You did not. <laughs> I, that negative way of thinking again. <laughs> well, I mean, let, let's let's think about it. I was an alcoholic. I had no idea what was wrong with what was going on. I I hadn't been to therapy. I haven't gotten any new diagnosis. I just thought I was a raging alcoholic. But I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't like talking to people. I didn't like handling financial situations anything that was uncomfortable for me i ran away from until you came along oh <laughs> <laughs> well since you came along i mean you have been such a rock in my life but i feel that i made you that way through being an alcoholic and some of the situations that we would put ourselves in because sometimes i mean i'm not gonna lie and we talked about this it, if i don't pay this bill and I just sit here. Well, Carrie's not going to let her credit go bad, right? <laughs> so she's going to call and she's going to take care of the bills. Wow, that's how it worked, huh? You know what I mean? But yeah. not not even just that. Even my treatment, my therapy, my appointments and everything else. I was just lost. But you were always right there and you took care of everything and you got my appointments and stuff. And I think it carried on for so long during my treatment that I'm used to it now. I'm comfortable. So, uh, yeah, but that wasn't you. So I have learned... Through this program, which we're actually in the last week now. So we're on our 12 week right now. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, you didn't create this Mrs. Fix-It, okay? <laughs> I was I was created from birth till now, okay? <laughs> you, you, you were not the one that created my codependency. Now, did I see you as a wounded puppy that I needed to fix? Absolutely. I've been putting Band-Aids on your ass <laughs> since we first got together. But now we have direction and we are not those wounded little puppies because I was pretty spoiled. Like I'm just now going to the grocery store and we've been together for five years. Like you, you helped (laughs) create this, this little monster who didn't go to the grocery store, who didn't cook meals anymore. And now I'm back to cooking. Like there's a lot of times that I cook three times a day now. And there was for many, many, many years (laughs) did I not cook at all. So don't you beat yourself up. So as codependency, that's, that brings a good example. I love cooking. Mm -hmm. I love driving. 
I drive all the time. I offer to drive. Is that or cooking or doing things for you, even though you're capable, because codependency, right, is something that you can physically do by yourself. And you but ask yet, for help. <laughs> but yet you ask for help mm-hmm. because you think that you can't do it or survive or something without somebody else doing it for you, mm-hmm. right? So if I like cooking or if I like doing stuff for you all the time, where do you draw the line between just loving and taking care of your somebody even though they even though you know they can do it but you enjoy doing it like where do you draw the line on this codependency thing because i feel we all kind of create these scenarios of codependency within our own relationships but we like to do things for others mm-hmm. honestly like through treatment i think that we have found like a balance that's healthy now when it's when it's unhealthy is when I can't go to the doctor by myself anymore. And I'm not at that point like I was. You know what I mean? Like I physically would make you take me to the doctor. And that is codependent. I have noticed the less codependent you're being and not depending on anything. Like you had a really nerve-wracking appointment yesterday. Like your meeting that you needed to go to. And I asked you if you needed to take a Klonopin or anything before you left. And you didn't want anything. You did it by yourself. That is learning to be non-codependent. Except without your help, I, <laughs> I did not succeed. <laughs> you did too. <laughs> no, I really didn't. I, I went completely to the wrong part of the city. I didn't make it to the right restaurant. I tried driving to the other part of the city to make it to the right restaurant, and I got no response back. It was actually a sign of why I wasn't supposed to be there. What you were saying is people doing things for others is some of the symptoms of codependency. As I think this one best describes what we were talking about, is you tend to feel best when you're fixing or rescuing or helping others try to resolve their problems. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, this whole summer, now I love our our group, don't get me wrong, but this whole summer I was just helping other people and I was just falling deep into a hole because I didn't know how to help myself. And so I had to get out of that codependency cycle. It was bad. And I didn't know that's what it was. So now when I see somebody in need that needs help, I don't feel like I have to rush and go help them anymore. Now I kind of sit back and I'm like, man, you know, I used to be in that same freaking predicament. I used to feel that same way. But you can't force healing journeys on people. They have to want to do the research. They have to want to open their eyes and be enlightened. And that's all it is. Right. And that's a big one right here on another symptom for codependency is you're a people pleaser. You enable. Enabling is a big one because people aren't people aren't going to stand up for themselves and they're not going to go take initiative and go to therapy and do things for themselves, learn research if you're just enabling them and their bad behavior. But the uh, the big one that stands out for me on codependency is it states Codependent people tend to be reactive. Mm-hmm. That is my big thing. I am very reactive, especially if it's an emotion that I don't understand why they're having mm-hmm. is a big one. Basically, if you're codependent, it's almost like it's kind of like being empathic. I mean, your mood is impacted by other people's moods. Absolutely. So there's so many symptoms on being codependent. And so we're just going to like go over some of the ones that really have affected us. And you guys can do your own research and, you know, figure out if any of these pertain to you. But like for me, like he he was just talking about fixing people. That was my biggest one. My other one is secretly envious of others. Like even scrolling on TikTok or Instagram or something. And I'll see people like I used to get so upset when adults would go on vacations together and like, you know, go do all this fun stuff together but it's because I was unhappy with myself so when people are envious of other people's lives why waste your time being envious when you can go fix your own life and love every bit of it another one was you feel like it's your job to keep everybody happy um I used to literally walk on eggshells for you I've walked on eggshells for my ex I just felt like nobody needed to hear what I had to say or I was going to say it wrong Um, But I have learned through this treatment that as long as I don't have any mean intent on what I'm trying to say, then I don't care if it offends you. That's that's all on you, you know? Like, if I'm not trying to be mean, then I'm sorry. That's something that you need to work on internally because I wasn't being mean. So do you think trying to make other people happy, do you think that's something that happened 
during adulthood or throughout the trials and errors of relationships or did this stem from like childhood not getting like love and nurtured and and being heard for me I think it stemmed from my childhood um everybody could be you know different but doing the research I figured out having parents that were alcoholics needing to walk on eggshells you know not knowing if my mom was gonna blow up that day or tell me that I'm so mad at you because you did this and That is very codependent reactions because if a kid does something, a parent isn't supposed to tell them that you make me mad because you did this. No, you're mad because of whatever feelings you have that are stemming from your childhood or invalidation or something. And those kids don't deserve to be yelled at. Yeah. Most, I mean, most triggers stem from some other emotional trauma. There's not Mm -hmm. just one thing. What are some of um, the symptoms that you feel like you have? One of them, I fear making other people angry. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think so coming from somebody who likes to fight. (laughs) Or, I take that back, used to like to fight, right? But I'm not comfortable with the other side of myself. So it takes a lot to get me angry. But if you push me over the edge, I still feel sometimes that I don't have control of my anger and rage. Mm -hmm. And I've already seen and experienced things that hell I've done to myself, you know, Mm -hmm. even in my suicide attempts and things like that. So I'm afraid of confrontation and making other people angry because I don't know how I'm going to respond to it. And I don't necessarily want to hurt somebody, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I can't control their emotion either. So if I make them angry, it's almost like a a free-for-all. Yeah. It's It's just chaos. Which brings me to my next one. Easily overwhelmed by the needs of others. Oh, yeah. Which this is actually a little confusing and sometimes I think a little contradicting because part of codependency is you feel the best when you're trying to fix or rescue or help other people. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, you're easily overwhelmed by the needs of others. So I get overwhelmed by the needs of others is I'm still learning how to self-regulate my emotions. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily understand all the emotions that are coming at me and why you're feeling this way. Mm -hmm. So I get really confused and I'm just like, I'm not in tune. Like I'm not available emotionally to help somebody. So I just get really overwhelmed. Yeah, that makes sense. But like you said, actually, before we we skip, because you had mentioned being a child of alcoholics, that brings us to, you know, developing codependency. Mm-hmm. But before we jump onto that, did you have any other ones that jump out at you or? Um, it, well, I'm still learning my boundaries, but I'm um, like placing boundaries. I've never been good at having boundaries with people. So right now, the only way I have a boundary is I do not fucking talk to you. <laughs> so that, right. you know what I mean? Like, cause until I could get control of my own emotions, I didn't know how to tell people no, you know what I mean? Like. Or don't talk to me that way. Or I'm not going to take that. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know how to do that. Mine was, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, (laughs) that was my reaction. So I was like, nobody deserves that. So I just stayed to my fucking self. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And staying in relationships for entirely too long. I was in my last relationship for almost 12 years. And I remember sending emails after emails. Because, you know, back then that's what we did was emails. And that's what it started literally back in 2006. Of emails of begging for love and attention and wanting to do things with this person. And I got to the point where... I felt like I wasn't worthy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just stayed. Well, I can tell you, if you guys are out there listening and you're like, oh my God, that sounds like me and my relationship and everything else. Absolutely. You're not alone. And Carrie, you're not alone. I went through the same thing with my son's mom. Mm-hmm. It got to the point we no longer spoke face to face. It was in the same house, but a different room sending text messages. That was the only way we communicated, and that Mm -hmm. was at the end. And I wasn't going to play those games. So I agreed, and we got the divorce, and we moved on because I wasn't going to live like that. So, But you're you're not alone. You know, people want to be loved in any way that they can get it, whether it's good or bad. I think think they they get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. because they're just grasping to be loved. And I think part of that is that love they never received when they were a child. Right, or it was like just half-assed, basically. Right, like, yeah. Yeah. Who's prone to developing codependency? That's a good one. I mean, I think anybody is prone to, but 
they give you some examples. Just, you guys can do your research. Um, there's a few that stick out to me. Oh, dang, I highlighted the whole damn page. On the whole list. damn page, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I got more but to talk about right. children of alcoholics. But see, my alcoholic family, it was hidden mm-hmm. until I became older in my teenage years. Mm-hmm. I started seeing my dad drink, but it was hidden. He would hide it with his police buddies or they would go out to the Moose Lodge or <laughs> place like, remember Lodge. the Moose yeah. Lodge? Yeah, yeah, good place. That's funny. Children with parents of mental health issues. Yep, I have that one. So when you're a child, you don't understand what your parents have been through. No. You don't You don't know the trauma that they've had, where they've came from or anything else. Unless they're just absolutely open and just tell you the god-awful truth. But as a and kid, you're, you're like... you're supposed to know. You're like, <laughs> hey, hey, I don't, I don't need to hear that. You know what I mean? But mental health issues. Mental health issues run, sadly, in my family, along with cancer. Yeah. Yeah, same here. So you had... Yep, children, parents with mental health issues. Yep, um, unhealed traumas, you know, that they never took care of. So emotionally immature parents, like people that can't self-regulate their emotions, the ones that get mad for, you know, spilling milk, that type of thing. The parents who suffered their own traumas and have not healed from their pasts. So everybody Mm. sees this all the time. It's what is trending right now, honestly, is generational traumas that are unhealed. So true. I know. And it's, and I don't really, I mean, it, I guess it's asking, I don't know, what is that asking? Don't tell thing or something? Don't ask, don't tell. It's yeah, don't, people, a, don't ask, don't tell. How they, but the, the thing with the trauma, parents who suffered trauma, mm-hmm. yeah, or who you suffered trauma through your parents. No. So, like, parents who have suffered trauma in their childhood or adulthood. Never got it fixed. Never got healed. But that's the thing with the gender. You and I are, the. I mean, the same age. I'm about to be 38. You're 36. But our parents in their generation, even my dad, mm-hmm. you don't go to the doctor unless you're dying. Right. And then the lack of trust there is with healthcare officials in the generation of our parents. Right. And they don't is, have any trust there. Right. I mean, is there really blame? I mean, can can you really blame your parents? No. And, this, and that's... That's where the healing began for me. So I'm glad you asked that. So for me to start my healing was for me to understand that my parent got crap that they shouldn't have. Our great-grandparents or grandparents, whatever. So whatever they got as a child. And I remember my mom telling me some stories of stuff that happened to her. Of like her her grandmother and her great-grandmother just ridiculing her for something that she wore. And beat the crap out of her. And just stuff like that, you know, which I'm glad some of these stories that I do know because then it kind of helped in my own healing. Because I'm like, holy shit, like your grandma beat you for something that you wore? Like what in the hell, you know? Like I didn't get that type of, but mine was verbal abuse. So it's like, you know, me spilling something or me accidentally breaking something. God, you fucking idiot. Why am I an idiot? Because I broke something. It was an accident. Like it traumatized me. And then I was doing the same thing to our kids, you know, and this is why people are healing and why you need to heal. You know what I mean? Right. And that is this whole journey of healing your childhood. I think, and I was resistant with this whole childhood thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because I was like, I was in two branches of the military. I deployed twice. I went to war. I, all this shit, right? Like I was Mm -hmm. just giving excuses. I was like, that's my trauma. Mm -hmm. That's what's wrong with me. That's my images. That's my thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, it is, right? But that's my adult trauma. Right. And... I couldn't properly handle this trauma and cope with this trauma and move forward with this trauma because I am so fucked up from my childhood right. that's never been fixed. Yep. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. So that is what you guys are going to understand a part of your healing is it's so easy to blame your parents on how horrible they were and, and how mean they were, but it's not their fault. They were raised by parents just like we were raised by parents. Exactly. And they didn't have the internet. They didn't have, you know what I mean? Like all they had was the library and they didn't have self-help books back then. You know what I mean? Like, right. So it's like, how can you sit here and be upset? But for something that they don't know. The initial trauma and the things that happened when we were children, Mm -hmm. generational trauma, like you said. Okay. I can't sit here and blame my parents, but 
What you can do is if your parents are still alive and breathing and they haven't done anything for themselves, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to draw the line sometime. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because everybody needs to do something for themselves. And I don't know about your household, but my household was very critical parents. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Perfectionist. Perfectionist, yes. Well, you know my dad now. Yes, he is a perfectionist. (laughs) I mean, everything we do to to change a light bulb, I think it takes a good hour. Yeah, there's like steps. There's steps. steps. (laughs) You have to clean things off. You have to wipe the steps off before you get up on the ladder. (laughs) There's so many things that you got to do, you know? And then my other parent right now is just like, chill. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this is a big one and my last one, and we'll move on developing codependency. But those from dysfunctional families where denial and secrecy ruled the home. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yep. Because denial and secrecy, secrecy was the big one. Secrecy absolutely ruled my home, especially for my dad. Worked like five different jobs because we were supposedly broke and poor, which the way that we ate fit right along with that statement. (laughs) I mean, it was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and like cream and potato soup. Mm -hmm. But he hid his alcohol, hid money. When me and the kids would get in trouble at school or anything, Mm -hmm. everything had to be hidden from my dad or otherwise we would get hit. Mm -hmm. So my mom would hide and cover and sneak things for us kids from my dad. And then each one of us brothers would hide things from each other. It was just like... Do you hide things from me? <laughs> no. We, we literally are attached at the hip 24-7. You know what I mean? And as soon as we leave each other, I mean, we're crying. Talk about codependency, okay? This is right up our alley, codependency. That's funny. So mine actually kind of is in there too. So denial. So denial of thinking that there's anything wrong with them. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm sorry, but I don't need to be screamed at and and ridiculed and mocked and made fun of at 36 years old. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just not okay with me. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with putting those boundaries up. Codependency actually develops as soon as the child's born because the child is actually depending upon the parent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They can't feed themselves. They can't change their diaper. They can't do anything else like that. The problem when it comes is when children are born completely dependent upon their parent, right? Mm-hmm. But that parent has, like we talked about, they've had their own trauma. They've been wounded or anything else like that, right? Mm-hmm. They just, some parents just physically and emotionally can't meet the needs of their child. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And sadly, in my opinion, this is my opinion only, is there's there's other places and homes that those child can go to to get that love and, and nurturing. Just because mm-hmm. it's your child doesn't mean you have to torture the child. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the children do not pick us, okay? Like, right. it's not the child's fault. Right. So basically, developing codependency is when you lack the emotion and the need and the support from your parents as a child... Mm-hmm. When you're growing up. Yeah. Our jobs as parents are supposed to make our children feel safe. So when they're having a meltdown, why beat your kid? Your kid doesn't know why they're having a meltdown. Quit fucking having a meltdown. Why are you crying? And you hit them. They don't know why they're upset. So why are you going to hit them? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stuff like that is is why we're here. So my childhood actually is 50-50. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I was born, I was born into married parents and two brothers, two Mm -hmm. older brothers, right? During that time my my mom was there, it was, I mean, church and functions and sports and it was fun, Mm -hmm. right? Play outside, do what you need to do, you know, get dirty, all this stuff. It was just being a kid. Mm -hmm. But during that time that I got the love and the nurturing outside the home, It didn't feel safe outside the home. It actually felt safe in the home during that time because I was being bullied and made fun of. We didn't have the money. I didn't have the clothes. I didn't have things. I I wore different things to Mm -hmm. school, you know. Or hand-me-downs. I got a lot of hand-me-downs. I had two older brothers. so. (laughs) But when I got into 12 to 13 years old, that's when I started catching on really how my parents really were. Mm -hmm. And... They weren't happy. Right. It was very miserable. And my mom's relationship with everybody kept going downhill. But, you know, I'm not going to speak for her, but I, she was making plans. Mm-hmm. And she made it known that she wanted to divorce my dad. Mm-hmm. But the plans to actually do it 
never came out until later when I was close to 15 years old. But during that time, it was just really like disjointed. Mm -hmm. It was like everybody was in separate rooms and it was just really weird. Well, then my mom left when I was 15. Well, during that time, my dad retired as a cop and got a job working in Texas Monday through Friday. I'm 15, 16 years old. I went from having two parents, two brothers, to now being 15, 16 years old. And my older brothers moved out. Mm -hmm. My middle brother got kicked out. And my dad lives in Texas Monday through Friday. So now I'm just some kid by myself with a whole entire family wiped out, trying to feed myself, go to work, go to school, do everything else. Like, those bonds were just, like, ripped, you know? Right. So I do have... Some people can say that they don't have a good memory of their childhood at all. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. I experienced at least part of it that I can say was decent. Mm -hmm. During that time, we would get spanked and yelled at. Right. But it it was like normal. Was it normal? Well. What is normal? So it was like, it was like you get tortured, but then you turn around and you get love. And that sometimes. so confusing. Well, it got to the point where it was like, oh man, well, if we want compassion from our dad, let's go get fucking beat. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then we just kept fucking up worse. And then we would fight through the beatings to get the nice, caring dad. Right. You know, so, you know, healthy bonds with your parents is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, if you have a healthy bond with your parent, that child, they feel safe, love, protected, you know? So when the divine connection disconnects, <laughs> um, a lot of times we're just kind of feeling lost, like... I remember there was a time where my parent actually asked me, or I don't know if it was a question or if it was a statement, but it was, I wish you knew who you were. Well, mm. now that I think back, I'm just like, well, damn, I wish you knew who you were so you could have taught me who I was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so right. now it doesn't hurt because I realized that they didn't know how to help me. So now I have learned to be... The, mo the, me the mother, the mother, the mother, the mother and the father that I've always needed. So it, it worked out in the end. Right. And with that being said, as I share my story and I talk about my childhood experiences, I want to let you guys know now before we continue forward, mine and my father's relationship are closer than ever. Um, he is one of the few parents that put himself through therapy and realized what he did. Mm -hmm. and what was going on and tried to save a relationship with his kids. Um, so he did, and we're closer And that was years ever. ago. That was what, that back was in like 2000? So long ago. Or in the 90s, the late 90s? Yeah. Was, yeah, that's very honorable. Like, to have a parent that goes and puts themselves, like, I mean, everything happens for a reason. So I feel, honestly, your mom leaving, that was an eye-opener for your dad. He was like, holy shit, I need to do something. And he did, and... I can say that he is a father figure for me. Like, he is my dad, <laughs> and I am his daughter. Yeah, <laughs> I call him when I need him. <laughs> he, he's been there for you. He is. He's he phenomenal, and so is your mom. Like, she still is doing her own treatment and stuff, and I couldn't be prouder. It's amazing. Yeah, she had... She's had a rough life. Her, 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 story, her story is rough. And, you know, maybe one day in the future, uh, as part of this show, when we get through our story, as we're looking at, you know, bringing guests on, mm -hmm. maybe my mom, you know, might be willing to come on and share her story because she's had, she's had a tough life and she's still struggling right now. But that's her story to tell. Absolutely. I'm excited for that. So subconscious programming. Let's this is fascinating. But before the age of seven, all children mm -hmm. are on like this hypnotic brainwave state. So they're actually like being hypnotized, being programmed mm -hmm. during this time. And with that in your subconscious programming or your subconscious mind, actually, another fascinating piece of information I never knew about your mind mm -hmm. is this portion of it can, it can only receive data. So it can't reject it. It can't get rid of it. Like this is like basically like an old movie playing videotapes of what you were exposed to. Right. You remember how the people used to say children are sponges? Yeah. It's actually science. Yeah. That's... Yeah. So when you think your kids aren't listening before the ages of seven, they are absolutely soaking in everything that you say and do. Yeah, it's... Do. Uh, things and do. It's actually scary <laughs> if you think about it. It is. But a part of this subconscious mind and what these children are exposed to at an early age... It contributes to a lot of the problem with codependency and how their thoughts become beliefs. Right. 
You had a good analogy if you wanted to explain how that worked. So basically, your thoughts becoming your beliefs is if you grew up in a home where cursing was like a crime. Mm-hmm. I'm using that as an example because, oh my gosh, we couldn't even say like butthead or <laughs> anything else like that. It was like during this time when I was young, my mom was a, what, what we would refer to as a Jesus freak. Yes, she likes to use that. It was nonstop. But basically, if you if you grew up in a home where cursing was horrible, but the consequence of cursing was being beat, right? Mm -hmm. As you grow up, your thoughts and beliefs that if I curse or say a bad word, I'm going to get hurt. Right. So now that you're an adult and have your own family and raising your own children, if you didn't heal from that trauma or being exposed to this abuse, then you're projecting these thoughts and beliefs on your own children that if they curse, you beat them. Yep. That's exactly how it works. And all that is from one little part of your mind. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. The hippocampus. The hippocampus. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I like to use all of these big scientific words, and he's like, I don't know, just basic bullshit. I love it. That's how we work well together. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But there's actually, there's good news with this. Right. Everything can be relearned, and you can be reprogrammed. Right. Your brain... If you want to get technical, here's real science term for you right now. Are you ready? Your brain is moldable. Absolutely. And it can 100% be changed. So what we have learned over these last 12 weeks is you literally believe everything that you say to yourself too. So like for instance, um, we are learning about storytelling. Okay. Say, um, what can we use for an example? That will be easy. For storytelling? Yeah. How about the time that you guys decided to play musical chairs at the kitchen table? Ah, yes, yes. Okay. So we have found out that me and Jeremy have to really like slow our minds down when change happens. Okay. So when we bring a new person into the house, so say it's our son's time to visit or whatever, right? So he comes and Jeremy is used to everybody sitting in particular places, okay? So he cooks dinner and he goes to turn around and his head moved. So Jeremy starts storytelling himself. He's like, what are they up to? What are they planning? You know, why are they playing musical chairs? Like, why are they moving around? Like, who's out to get me? And he'll start storytelling himself all of these negative things. And he builds his emotion up where he gets angry. So on the other hand, how he could have stopped himself from getting angry or getting to that point is he could be like, okay, where am I? I'm in my kitchen and I am safe. My kids love me. My wife loves me. Um, I'm making dinner right now. It's going to be amazing nothing's going wrong like everything's fine I'm safe and he would have just sat down and everything would have been fine but when you go to storytell you create a hot mess for yourself that's true yeah that's true Um, it's 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 actually like it's somewhat embarrassing now like when you get like light bulbs go off in your head Mm -hmm. and there's something like because in your mind oh my gosh what is wrong with me and like why are they keep changing and stuff and it's like you think it's something horrible yeah you think you're absolutely going insane crazy right you're there's nothing wrong with you yeah and actually in all actuality the only chair that i should be worried about is my chair exactly a bubby a light bulb just went off hey there you go holy shit you know what i mean (laughs) absolutely and that's what everybody needs to work on because if you are worried about what your son's doing in his chair and why your daughter's not sitting in her chair and why you're like why does that even matter it doesn't Mm -hmm. like we are all focused on the wrong things right and that's good news you know your brain's moldable it can be changed that's really good news however there's obviously bad news with everything but (laughs) the bad news you know, with codependency is dark. It's like murky waters. You don't know where you're going. (laughs) It really is. And once you start becoming awakened, it's crazy. Like you have to put a seatbelt on because you don't know what's going to be triggered. You you know, you don't know like these new old feelings that you're going to bring up. But once you get past that, man, it is so peaceful. Right. It is. And there's not a clear path to get through your past trauma and childhood experiences that stem with codependency. Right. There's not a way out saying, hey, if I talk about everything that happened from age three to nine, I can get out. 
Right. That's just, that's not how it works. But Albert Albert Einstein, I've quoted him on TikTok a couple times in some of my motivational quotes. But Albert Einstein stated it the best, I believe. You can't solve a problem from the same level of intelligence that created the problem. Yep. And that's what m- does that mean? Mind-blowing. That means you can't fix stupid with stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that does mean that. But it also means you need to have knowledge in research. Because mm-hmm. you, you can't fix a problem that you don't know that's there. Right. And a part of this research is listening to this podcast. Exactly. And then taking information that is relevant to you and your story and running with it. Yep. Right? And nothing, not everything's going to pertain to everybody. We know that. And we're just, you know, trying to take the parts that have really helped us and talk about that. You know, just going to therapy and medicating, it, it doesn't fix things. Just talking about it. You have to find where the root cause, where it's stemming from, and really start thinking and reflecting and feeling how you feel. Absolutely. The root problem. That's the biggest thing. The yep. root problem. It is the biggest thing. You know, because all these diagnoses that we have are like secondary. They to, are. To, we just have symptoms. Right. They are not our diagnosis. Tendencies is another word. So, I don't know. What does this say? I'm reading something else to you guys. In order to heal from codependency... We have to make sure we are not using old programs to try and fix the faulty programs that's in our subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of like what our parents used to do? We need to change? Absolutely. Is is that like using old programs? So old programs is like cursing, yelling, hitting, breaking things. Right. Drinking. Yeah. So all those programs... Yeah, the only thing we need to be dependent on is ourself. We don't need to use alcohol. We don't need THC. We don't need pills. We don't need, you know, therapy. We don't need any of those things. We need to learn to trust ourselves, make new beliefs, because nobody has a life map. Nobody has a roadmap on how you're supposed to live life, you know, on, right. you know, who you're supposed to become and, and how to get there. And, right. and remember, there are some diagnoses out there. And there is some medical treatment that requires medication. We are talking about codependency today. So don't get y'all's panties in a bunch saying that nobody needs medication or anything else like that. Or just treatment. So, Oh, you just said this. This is amazing. What? We must awaken. What does that mean to you? Because I feel like you, you talk about it and you're like, oh my gosh. You know, when you awake, you see things clear. And... You can handle situations a lot calmer. So what Yeah, if, because like I used to react to everything. It didn't matter if it was about me or not. If that person is talking to me, I felt like they were reacting and I was bad. You know what I mean? And so when you awaken and this light bulb goes off... And I do sometimes still, like, for instance, the other day, someone got upset with me because I didn't check my Facebook messages fast enough. So they kind of, like, went off. And I did go into a defensive mode because I was like, you aren't going to fucking come at me sideways, you know what I mean? But then taking a step back and, and realizing, like, they went off on me for their own shit, you know what I mean? Like, they were just having a bad day. And so I realized, like, I don't need to be defensive, you know what I mean? And and that's why we're talking about we are healing, we are not healed. Like, there is a lot of reactions that I need to work on, you know what I mean? Right. But it's exciting because I used to literally react to everything. And now I can kind of sit back and be like, okay, what are they upset about? You know, like, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's like I'm more chill. I can't really explain it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, part of awakening is realizing, you know, because it's like I touched on earlier, when you're a child, you don't understand what your parents have been through. You don't know what traumas they've been through, you know? So as a child, when things happen to you or you get rejected or anything else like that, right? Mm -hmm. The first thing that you feel is what? Unloved? You feel rejected? Yeah. You feel like it's your fault? Yep. Because that's how I feel. On a lot, of, a lot of times, even still today, mm-hmm. I still feel like a lot of things are my fault. Right. You know? Yeah. That's when that storytelling, that positive storytelling always kicks but in. But that's, that's part of awakening. Yep. 
is realizing that it's not your fault. You right. Know? And your light bulbs are just now starting to go off. Like mine have been going off since this first chapter. And yeah, like <laughs> and I realized that, you know, Lisa Romano might not be everybody's, you know, cup of tea. And that's when the whole research thing needs to kick in for people. Like there are so many life coaches and so many different podcasts and stuff out here in this world that is helpful, self-help. And that's what everybody needs to be working on because just going and talking about your issues and therapy, again, it's just talking about them. It's not resolving them. It's not challenging how you are thinking and recreating these new beliefs and where you're at a, a place where you respect your beliefs and you're confident in your beliefs. And that's where everybody needs to get. It's exciting. Right. right. So getting confident in your beliefs. I feel it's kind of like why I created this podcast and in the, in the title of it, Surviving Your Mind, is taking control of those thoughts and taking control of your mind is observing yourself, mm-hmm. okay? We're constantly looking at everybody else and we're constantly seeing what they're doing and what they're not doing or what they're doing wrong or what you don't like about what they're doing. You know what I mean? That's the way they're, I used to think, yes. There, there's, <laughs> you see how that sounds silly? Mm-hmm. How we're talking about how we're worrying about what everybody else is doing. Right. And we keep telling ourselves sto- stories and thoughts and we're just miserable with our life. Mm-hmm. Flip it. Stop observing other people's lives. Who gives a shit about them? Right? Yep. Start observing yourself. Exactly. What you're thinking, what you're doing. Right? How you feel. How you feel around people. Right. And you know how you said the root of the problem? Mm-hmm. Okay, these beliefs and everything, they're at the root of the thoughts, right? Right. So we need to change the way that we're thinking. But in order to change the way that we're thinking and moving forward is we need to be able to like sit outside of our mind and observe all these thoughts as if it's a highway, kind of like mindfulness, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Is you pick and choose the thoughts. It's like picking your battles. <laughs> yes. You know? Yep. Like they say, you can uncover old, new memories anytime. It's all about triggers, different things that may remind you Mm -hmm. of the past or experiences. And with those, you just got to be mindful. Right. So, I mean, when when you become mindful in your treatment and you start, um, like you were talking about how you kind of like step back and you're observing, it, it really is because... When you are reactive and you're in this fight or flight constantly, it's it's like you don't know how to act. You don't know what to do with yourself. Um, your anxiety is always high. You're always waiting for the next shoe to drop and all of that. And when you start observing yourself, you start to slow down. And I know that might sound silly, but it is really true. And so when I quit observing other people and trying to fix other people and and all of that, and I started observing how I felt about things, like that's when everything started clicking. So like if you've suffered from emotional neglect, chances you feel very unworthy, right? And the trick here is to acknowledge these feelings of unworthiness while still understanding that without a shadow of a doubt, you are worthy. You were born enough. You deserve love healthy connections, protection, safety, and consistent bonds and experiences that you could have had when you were younger. But now this is your time to build those with yourself. It's not your fault that when you should have been freely exploring and mastering the world, your parents missed guiding you. Does that make sense? Right. And the sad thing is, it's not their fault. It's not your fault. It's just the cards that you were dealt and it's time to put your big girls and big boy pants on. Right. And we're going to put our big boy and big girl <laughs> pants on. Uh-huh. Okay. Through acceptance. Accepting that this happened to you. Right. There's nothing wrong with accepting that you had past trauma. Okay. Mm-hmm. Surrender. And we're going to forgive. Yes. Exactly. Right. Yep. So obviously it can be extremely difficult facing any trauma or any past experiences, right? Mm -hmm. It's also, I struggle with this, and I said this to you a lot, is I feel bad sometimes telling my story, and you ask me why. Well, because my parents have put themselves through therapy, Mm -hmm. and they have 
gotten better and, and we do all have relationships. So when I talk about my past, like it says, I feel like I'm putting my parents in a negative light. I feel like I'm talking horrible about my parents. Right. No, I'm talking about an experience. Exactly. I'm not talking about who they are directly. I'm talking about what was done. Mm-hmm. So just know that none of this is your fault. And it's okay to talk about your story. And it's okay to forgive and to accept horrible things that happened to you in your past. It's not who you are. So as we wrap up here, if you got anything else to say, we're going to go into some of our journaling, wrap up with some questions to help share with our story. So yes, like the the big light bulb going off for me was the whole forgiveness thing. So I like I try explaining this to people and it's it's really hard to explain. So the best way to explain it is our parents can only do what they were taught and it's not their fault what they were taught. But it is in no way an excuse for what has taken place and it's also not an excuse for you to allow that to continue into your adult years. So I know mine was a little extreme and I cut off my entire family, but I honestly didn't know how to put up healthy boundaries. And I'm happy where I am now with not speaking to anybody because I still have a, a long way to go, I feel, before I can put boundaries up with them and not be reactive. I just I just don't know if I would be able to not be reactive right now. Like I can think about things and I don't get reactive, but I don't know if I get screamed at and called names and I'm a stupid fucking bitch or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how I would feel right now. I'm like, hmm, I'm sorry you feel that way because I don't feel that way about myself. And I kind of just want to keep it that way. Like, I'm probably in protective mode and I'm okay with that, you know? No, you're living your life. I am living my life. I, I blocked my middle brother, what, over two years ago? Yeah, I think it'll be two years. And we haven't spoke? Yeah. Okay, I don't care who you are. Relationships is a two-way street. Yep. You can't have one person take you for an example. You can't be the one willing to have a relationship and then the other side is still calling you a bitch or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. So who would tolerate that? So like me and my brother, I've gotten to the point where I'm willing to accept an apology. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to make an amends and move forward. Right. However, all the times that we've had the chance to do that and to talk with my brother, mm-hmm. he's canceled, he's ran, he hid, he doesn't want anything to do with it, right? right? So I'm not going to put myself out there and I'm not going to have this controlling a one-sided relationship. I'm sorry, but you got to put in the work too. Yeah. And I'm sorry, you need to apologize too. Yeah. Until then, there's not going to be a relationship. Yeah. I, that's another thing that, that I envy you a little bit because you're really good at like cutting those types of relationships off. Like I think honestly, you kind of helped teach me how to do that because I didn't even know I was being verbally and emotionally abused until how many years into our relationship where you pointed out like, holy crap, like why does she talk to you like that? Or why, why do you allow someone to belittle you this way? Like I had no clue. I just thought that that was normal. Like that's a relationship between a mom and a daughter or a sister and a sister, and it's not. It is very unhealthy, and it's very toxic. I agree. And you also had a couple other eye-openers as well. As the grandchildren get older, Mm -hmm. they don't like being talked to that way, and they've come to us stating the way that they've been talked to over at, you know, their house. And so now you're seeing it. It's easy to cover it up with just you. Yeah, definitely. But now... You overheard the conversation and the words that were said to me. Mm-hmm. So now you're hearing it with outside people coming from here and you're like, holy shit. Like, Oh yeah, this I guess is that's what... when that happened, huh? So that's how it happened is I overheard that woman, <laughs> we'll just say that, speaking to you that way. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, you ain't talking to my husband this way. Like, so yeah. that's, that's really when it happened because I was like, holy shit. I was talked to like that my whole life. That's not normal. Like you aren't going to talk to my fucking husband that way. And then that's when I was like, man. And I took a huge step back from that point forward. And till this day, she will admit she said it, but 
didn't mean to say those words. And I just, I just don't want to be involved with somebody like that. I own my mistakes. You know what I mean? Like I know when I do something or I hurt someone's feelings, but I don't know. But yeah, it was a huge eye opener when my own kid came to me and was like, you know, I don't want to be around her. Right. I don't want to be talked to like that. Or when she would be like, Mom, I need to get your chapstick. I don't want her to say anything to me. Like a kid doesn't need to walk on eggshells and try to fix themselves so they don't get, you know, talked negatively to. And I will take the blame every day, all day long. Everybody can be mad at me and think that it's me keeping my oldest away. But she's almost 15 years old. (laughs) If she wanted to call somebody, she would. Mm Mm-hmm. I think this podcast is going to be amazing. Um, it was a little rocky today. We're, we'll get our shit together, guys. But This is, to be honest, codependency, like we said, it's dark. It's murky waters. I mean, you're going through your whole childhood experience and, and especially significant experiences or things that you were exposed to before the age of seven. So it's a little... It's a little longer, but it's okay. We are going to wrap up with uh, some of our you know, journaling prompts or future questions. Basically, the goal for these journaling prompts during our treatment is to help us better understand the perception of our inner child. Even as an adult, we still have that inner child. Mm-hmm. And that inner child is screaming out for help. Um, so before we wrap up, we're going to go over some of these questions. We're not going to go over all of them. We're only going to go over a few that pertain to us. Um, I will kick it off on the first one. Did your family feel close or did it feel disjointed? That's a big one for me because like we talked, one of the big ones was secrecy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It was my mom running after her path, my dad completely being a tornado terrorizing the house, my older brother constantly wanted to be by himself and do his own things. Mm -hmm. And it was literally just me and my middle brother. But everything me and my middle brother did, I would have to lie, I would have to cover, I'd have to make up a story, I would have to... It was just chaos. Yeah. It wasn't a meshed family where like... You sit down at dinner and you share your feelings. I say we sat down at dinner, but yeah, we didn't really talk about feelings. (laughs) But we had to sit down at dinner. That's something that we did. (laughs) Yep. Um, One of my questions, did your parent encourage you to explore new things or were you taught to be afraid to reach out of comfort zones? No, I wasn't really encouraged to try new things unless it was their idea. I felt like I always, if I came up with my own idea, I was always challenged, mocked, made fun of, or made to believe that that was a stupid idea. So mm. yep. that wasn't fun for me. <laughs> right. So the greatest challenge mm-hmm. I'm facing at this moment is honestly my own personal codependency in our relationship right now yeah. is is my strongest battle it is because... I can't even go to the gym unless you go with me. It, I, I still feel like I need you by my side in some in some instances. I don't know if that's really codependency, though. I feel like sometimes you feel like like I was doing... Like, okay, so I'm going to portray some of my thoughts. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I feel sometimes that you don't want to leave me because I was doing so bad a few months ago. Like, I was having panic attacks a lot, and I was needing my service dog, and I wasn't wanting to go out in public by myself. So sometimes I feel maybe you feel guilty for leaving me to go do your own thing, but I wouldn't label you as codependent. That's true, and I did think that. (laughs) But also... I'm diagnosed with uh, schizotypal. No, guys, it does not have 15 personalities. I do not have 15 husbands. That's <laughs> not what it means. No. So, so I'm diagnosed with schizotypal, and one of the things is I completely lack trust in other people. I'm very awkward in social situations. I don't like talking. If I leave this house by myself, I'm going to be made to talk to somebody. <laughs> so I do use you a lot. Because I like it when you come with me because you control the conversation and you know when I'm done talking and you carry it for me. Yeah. So, yes, you are right. I I guess I do that. I mean, you're doing amazing now. There's absolutely no reason why I shouldn't be able to leave this house and go. I know. I keep telling you to go. Just go. You know, keep working (laughs) on my rock hard ass, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's all the questions I got from me. 
Oh, that's only orange. Okay. Um, let's see. The greatest challenge I am facing at the moment. Is that the one that you just answered? Absolutely. Sure oh, is. cool. Here we go. Okay. So the greatest challenge I am facing at this moment is, um, I have created these new beliefs now and I just have to stay confident in them. Part of the journaling is these are questions about the past or the present. They do have a section for us, which is good. What you just said, future, actually it's future thinking. Mm-hmm. The future thinking journaling, which is good because this helps you kind of think about the future and what you can change. Mm-hmm. Accepting the past and learning to better understand my past helps me to actually become a better parent. Yeah. Because I was very aggressive and at times I was verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I never physically did anything like that. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But my anger and my yelling and understanding my past and realizing where it came from and what it's stemming from. Mm -hmm. It's helping me kind of like slow down and rethink some of the thoughts and beliefs in my head. Right. To parent my kids in a better way than I got parented. Yeah. And remember, it's not your fault. Right. See, like, everybody always tries to put blame. So it's like, I used to be worried about doing the podcast. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know, if we talk about, you know, things that's happened or or that just happened recently or whatever, this is normal stuff. Like, when we're talking to our therapists and even, even in my DBT group, like, even those therapists still have issues like this is normal stuff so it's like I don't need to be afraid like I used to be of people trying to use this because guess what it's not my fault the way I was raised but it is now my responsibility to change this and I mean I've made mountains of progress over the last three months so I'm super proud of myself Mm -hmm. but my journaling prop that I chose was um understanding my inner child helps me better control my adult emotions before I mean I wasn't able to control any emotion like I would just go down rabbit holes and I would have these horrible negative self-talk that I would just spiral myself into a shit fest you know and um, now that I've learned to use my wise mind and self-parent myself um, I'm staying a lot more calm and a lot of my ADHD symptoms are kind of dissipating too which is nice did you have another I did. I'm going to wrap up on my last one here. Okay. Knowing I was always enough and it was only my programming that was corrupt is helping me to move forward, understanding that the past isn't who I am. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not my father. Right. I'm not his mistakes. Mm-hmm. I am enough. Absolutely. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get to the point where you can believe it and stuff, so you can be enough for your own kids. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was struggling with. You know, I didn't think I was a good enough father. I was an alcoholic. I was angry. I had issues. But that's not the case. Right. It's not my fault. It's not. And we also figured out that anger is actually a secondary emotion. So now that we can slow down and figure out, wait. I'm angry because I'm fearful of this or I'm angry because I feel stupid or I'm angry because I feel something else. So now that we've gotten to the point to slow down, we don't get to that angry part anymore, which is phenomenal. That's like awakening. It's like this huge awakening. It's amazing. Um, My last one I have is codependency recovery can help me completely reprogram my way of thinking which impacts how I think feel and act that has been a huge thing for me because having all of these beliefs that aren't true which sounds terrible like I don't have to have my house clean every single day I don't have to have my bedroom clean every single day it doesn't mean I'm a slob and I'm lazy It might mean I'm depressed that week or it might mean I have four basketball games that week and I can put my laundry up on Sunday. I used to think very, very critical of myself and that's how I was raised. But now it's amazing when I'm not so critical about everything that I do. Right. Life is a little more enjoyable. It's so much is. I love it. I love my life. I love my life. I don't think I've ever been able to say that ever. 
Well, I love you in my life. Me too. So, Not me, but you. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I can't thank you all enough for all the support. And we hope that you tune in next week for our next episode. We're super excited about that one. Absolutely. But before we go, guys, remember, most importantly, out of all this, it is not your fault. Guys, if you struggled with codependency, it is not your fault. It's actually normal for anyone to develop codependency who came from a home where it lacked the bond, the nurturing, the love, and everything else. Yep. Exactly. So remember to give yourself grace. Healing is very messy. There's, There's no right or wrong way to do it, but we're super excited to be a part of this with you guys and um, we will talk to you next week. Absolutely. Thank you for joining Surviving Your Mind. We'll see you next week. Bye.